Welcome to Inside Scoop with Sean Emery, where we will continuously bring you closer to companies, sectors, and themes. This recording should not be construed in any manner whatsoever as a substitute for personalized individual advice from Avery and Company. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies mentioned. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. All right, so we got a packed agenda. Today, we're going to focus on the monthly bulletin, something that we send out here at Avery, uh, which displays and shows some of the real-world things happening at companies. So whether it's product announcements, uh, changes in the management or C-suite, anything that is uh, incremental or instrumental to the forward thesis of these businesses, I think it's important to highlight some of this stuff. Uh, For us, it's important to follow this, but again, just sharing that. Uh, with some of you. In addition, we'll highlight some of our monthly comments. We always have our monthly comment piece in there. And that's really what we're seeing in the moment. Again, these things are month to month as long-term investors. Again, we we really try to look out multiple years where we are today relative to hopefully where we'll be uh, over the next 12, 24, 36 months. Uh, Some data points and then really just articulate maybe some of the companies that have reported for us. So far, it's been three. Uh, that happened last month, and and there's a long runway of of company reports here coming up in the near future. So what we'll do is head off with that. Um, and the very first company to talk about is Meta. Meta is bringing Meta stores, uh, at least one at the moment. So May 9th, they're coming out with a Meta store. What they're doing is taking their Oculus products or Meta products, those hardware ambitions to the next level. Uh, again, this store will open May 9th. And if you just look at some of the pictures, I mean, it's a pretty beautiful store. I think it's uh, uh, roughly like 2,000 square feet, so not a, a huge size. But it's really a place where people can come in and begin to engage and use the products. More information came out around Meadow, which was uh, product launches. So we know they have their VR, virtual reality headsets, their AR ambitions. So they partnered with Ray-Ban to make glasses that allow you to experience the real world around you, but also kind of immerse yourself uh, in a much more digital world. And they recently, uh, there's information kind of spilling out that they plan to launch four new headsets over the next uh, kind of 24 months or so. So a really strong product uh, cadence uh, that we think is coming out here in the near future. Uh, Some of the products, at least of what, they have said is really going to be focused on gaming. So that's really where the Oculus Quest 2 has uh, seen some success. We showed a chart about a month ago, which highlighted a five-year trajectory of Oculus App Store rankings going from the mid-200s in the entertainment category now into the top 20 and a clear line that goes from bottom left to top right in terms of their rankings. So they're seeing success there. The other product or or other form factor of a headset is specialized for work. Uh, So that's what they highlighted where it will be something to, quote unquote, replace the laptop. If you go on YouTube and you go to their meta um, kind of channel, you can actually see this. uh, And they have kind of a type in like meta work or, or something like that. And you'll be able to see how 
uh, they believe the world can experience uh, or use augmented reality, virtual reality uh, in a work setting. I actually believe it, when you watch this video, you can understand how today we all think about the Quest headsets, which are these large bulky headsets. Uh, but if you fast forward and if you have kind of, again, time horizon, go out several years, um, the size of these devices will continue to come down. And more importantly is the lens, the lens capabilities in terms of being able to see what's around you and not just feeling like you're siloed in a specific situation. So the big news last month, again, is Meta uh, announcing the four product launches and the, and the Meta store. And that is kind of the, the stuff that happened around Meta for the month. All right, so let's jump to the next one. It is Zillow. So Zillow had big news this past month. They recently acquired Showing Time. And this past month, Showing Time announced that they are now implementing real-time touring data for brokerage websites. So we know Showing Time is the industry leader in home touring technology. And this is arguably why Zillow made that acquisition last year. Uh, one key data point around Showing Time is 6 million showings are scheduled each month on Showing Time. So that's a pretty big number that I don't think anybody really... Uh, out there knows. Um, and if you think about the importance of showing time, big picture, if you step back, you're inside the Zillow application and you are trying to uh, find a home, uh, probably one of the first things you're going to do is try to set up a visit of that home. So having a seamless experience for touring and scheduling uh, that tour, not only for the buyer, uh, the person, the individual, but also for the agents that are involved uh, and the homeowner. So again, there's this kind of circle of uh, individuals that uh, need to be in sync uh, when buying, selling a home. Now, big picture, looking at the relationship with agents and national brokers, I think it's important for Zillow to continue to uh, increase and improve the relationships there. Showing time has a ton of agents that already use their service. So again, being kind of this uh, semi-neutral uh, platform where a lot of consumers, 200 million people visit Zillow's websites on a monthly basis, kind of on average, that's a huge number. Uh, and it's also one of the reasons why we're uh, uh, inclined in terms of uh, an investment here in Zillow. Now, uh, big picture, again, uh, the Showing Time app uh, is something that we think uh, will continue to grow. Uh, they have this data feed that we get access to each month, which shares the amount of uh, uh, homes that scheduled tours for that month relative to kind of a year ago and a month ago. Uh, if you go back kind of pre-COVID, there was about a million showings a month. Again, that number I just highlighted is 6 million showings a month now happen through uh, Showing Time. So that number continues to improve. It continues to hold relative to pre-COVID. So the tour uh, is an important aspect of a homeowner buyer's journey. Last little note on this and why touring is important on the last earnings call, Zillow highlighted how to monetize, to continue to monetize some of the usage on their platforms. They see a pretty large uptick in monetization. I think it's 3x the normal rate when somebody on their platform schedules a tour through their platform. That's an important number. It makes a lot of sense. Once someone schedules a tour personally with an agent, 
clearly there's relationships and, and bonding that takes place. That's an important aspect of building a relationship with a buyer seller agent uh, uh, relationship. So that's that. That's Zillow, and we'll be uh, maybe next month we'll we'll highlight some more uh, aspects of them as they they did come out with some more information as well. All right, next up is Wix. Wix announced a partnership with LegalZoom. And if you don't know LegalZoom, it's a software as a service uh, website platform that really helps entrepreneurs uh, uh, go through their journey of, of legal and financial uh, advice. So if you are building a business, starting a business, uh, a lot of people go to LegalZoom, get their LLCs form, S-Corps, things like that formed, uh, operating agreements, and many other uh, important aspects of starting a business. Now, Wix, on the other hand, is your kind of online experience or online platform for selling and showcasing your company. So a lot of company uh, like startups and even beyond that uh, use some of these services and having a unified, fully integrated experience is important. Stepping back, Wix has been going down the line of partnerships. So they made a recent partnership with Vistaprint. A lot of small businesses and just businesses in general use Vistaprint not only for uh, some of their other services, but for potential of web creation, website creation. So Wix, that was their largest deal to date. Uh, I believe the number was 200,000 or so potential websites created within that partnership down the line and in the future. And LegalZoom, just listening to a podcast that the team at Wix put out yesterday, uh, basically broke out the information that LegalZoom's partnership is the second biggest that they've had. So Wix continues to go down this partnership route. Historically, they've been able to grab consumers who go to Google and find Wix as their platform. But again, now they're taking this much more commercial approach where it's high margin, very low uh, marketing dollars, very little marketing dollars, if any, uh, for Wix to go out and kind of accumulate a large swath of potential customers. So they've been doing this over the last year or so. Vistaprint was kind of the bellwether partnership, LegalZoom. And then again, they highlighted as of yesterday uh, or the day before that they have a lot in the pipeline. So Wix continues to expand its relationships. We think this is super vital and important to the future of Wix as they continue to do what they do, building out their platform suite and tying themselves up with key strategic partners that mutually benefit on a financial basis. So really good uh, uh, news coming out of Wix uh, for the month. And, and uh, it's been that way for, I'd say, a couple of months as they've announced a lot of key uh, relationships with DoorDash and some others. So again, more on, on Wix hopefully next month. Uh, and that's that. All right. So now up is Block or Square. Uh, I continue to reference both just for everyone's purposes. But uh, Square Block, again, they changed their name to Block as kind of the parent company. Square still exists, but it's under the umbrella. They recently or last year they acquired Afterpay. It finally closed. Afterpay is one of the leaders in buy now, pay later. So installment payments, right? So you kind of go online and let's say you buy uh, something and you pay it off over four months. Um, and it's been a very popular way to pay over the last several years. Um, and uh, Afterpay, uh, the name of the organization uh, that they own, 
is a leader in this space. So 19 million active customers, over 120,000 merchants, some of the best technical know-how. Uh, we track kind of app store uh, downloads for Afterpay, and it continues to be kind of a top three uh, with a firm in Klarna. And uh, just a story or a business that uh, fits nicely at, or, or well into Square slash Block as Square has Square Seller. Uh, and the Square Seller platform is really merchants that sell their goods. So think of, again, a coffee shop that sells coffee and they have the Square uh, 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 payment terminal, but also Cash App, which has a lot of customers and now businesses forming in Cash App. Uh, and then here you have in between just a method of, of, of payment, but also it comes with a, a ton of consumers and a ton of merchants. So it's important to understand those dynamics before the announcement, which was a partnership with Rite Aid. So Afterpay partners with Rite Aid as kind of their buy now, pay later option or one of their buy now, pay later options online. And big picture, it's just simply how um, the ability to capture really large merchant uh, base you know, Square Seller used to have much smaller uh, uh, type of merchants that they would deal with. So this afterpay acquisition is important as it really opens the door to potentially have these conversations of being a point of sale, a strategic partner with someone like a Rite Aid. So I think that should be one of the larger takeaways in all of this is not only the Rite Aid, but also what is a Rite Aid type of merchant mean to the overall story at Block as they have so many gateways for uh, to sell some of their products. Uh, and then they also, again, have the consumer side, which is Cash App. So important news there. Uh, again, I think over the next uh, month or so, we'll hear even more things. They have an investor day in May. Uh, there's actually several of our companies have investor days this month. So they're, again, next month's monthly bulletin will probably be littered with a lot of investor day type of uh, announcements, whether it's product announcements, announcements or financial announcements. But either way, uh, pretty uh, impressive uh, stuff happening at Block. All right, so two more sections to go. First one is really around our monthly comments. Um, really just trying to articulate our views, if anything has changed over the last kind of 30 days, right? So the, it's been 30 days since our last bulletin. Not much has, has changed in our eyes. Uh, sentiment now is as low as it was in March of 2009. And if you go back and you you pull up a chart and you look at what that, that moment was, that was actually the lows uh, post-financial crisis. Uh, while today's environment is pretty uncertain in many ways, we actually believe that today's environment is a far cry from what took place during the financial crisis. As measured by the AA survey, uh, AII uh, survey, which measures kind of sentiment around professional investors, sentiment is actually lower than March of 2020. Uh, and that was during obviously the COVID fog. In our eyes, we think March of 2020 uh, was likely more uncertain than almost any point in market history. Uh, businesses were actually being forced to shut down at moment's notice with little kind of understanding what was happening uh, at the current time uh, as it related to the virus, as it related to business conditions, uh, what it meant for society and economics, arguably one of the hardest times to gauge uh, where everything was headed, uh, i.e. uncertainty. 
Now, today, valuations for some of the best companies in the world have moved into what we consider value territory. Um, you take like a Facebook, right? Trading below uh, the valuations from a, a multiple perspective, then bank stocks, um, then somebody like uh, IBM, you know, and Meta, uh, the official name, is somebody that we believe, again, has some of the more quality characteristics in a business um, where you look at $46 billion of cash, you have high margins, high cash flow, some of the quality characteristics that a lot talk about. Take other companies, even things maybe we don't even know, like a Salesforce trading at 17 times cash flow, the lowest it's ever been in the history of that business that also speed spits off a lot of cash flow. Um, in addition, there's a lot of companies out there specifically around technology. And, and again, I'd argue there's you know, there's a lot of companies out there that uh, technology is part of them, but isn't actually the underlying kind of where the demand comes from. You know, they're not necessarily selling technology. They're selling a service or, or a product and technology happens to be part of it. Um, yet they get classified as technology. And I think uh, that's kind of a bad way to, to think about it. But a lot of these companies or, or many companies today have subscription models annualized reoccurring revenue models, um, high margins. In big picture, if you're talking about investing and you're thinking about defensives versus uh, call it non-defensive uh, investments, I think some of the quality characteristics that someone should be looking for are obviously well-equipped management teams, um, uh, high margin kind of companies, uh, both on the gross margin side and the operating margin. Gross margin meaning the cost of their product doesn't cost much. So in an environment where there is inflation, um, I think it's important to, to have businesses that can w where withstand some of that um, uh, uh, physical cost pressures that are, that are out there. Um, but that annual reoccurring revenue piece, I think, is also vital, which I think gets totally understated in this environment where these companies have... They land a customer and that customer ends up being a customer for a, a pretty long time to a very, very long time. And it's reoccurring in nature. I think that is a, a key characteristic that's being overlooked in some of these much more technology-oriented spaces. Again, we're not totally focused on, on technology. It is part of where we think the world is headed. I think that's the most important part of why somebody should even look at that space is because uh, companies are either technology and selling technology or companies have to embrace technology in some form or fashion. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's going to be and continue to be very much part of our future. Now, going back to today, we face different issues than going back to kind of COVID and, and uh, the financial crisis and, and before that. And ones that I think, quite frankly, are well known by business owners, the Fed, the economists in the world, and the average consumer. And I think that's an important distinction. Inflation concerns are at the heart of much of the sentiment today. And many ponder what that suggests for consumers and how the Fed will potentially respond uh, to inflation in terms of rate hikes. It's our view, and I think that's arguably one of the most important things, is what do we think about it? is when you look at some of the data, and again, we're long-term investors, so we try to think about how long could this last for and how could it affect our businesses, if any. And then you, you can respond with, with, with changes to your portfolio or things like that. For us, 
again, I think we've laid out a pretty clear observation of how we want to invest in an environment like this. Uh, but typically, it's how we want to invest in, in most environments, find uh, quality management teams where they're investing in the future and and at the same time, doing it responsibly from a financial perspective and paying a reasonable valuation for these businesses and letting the businesses do what they do. That's worked through many, many decades. Um, our view is that, again, when you when you strip out some of the uh, recent upticks from energy, what you're seeing is some of the inflation pressures are actually stalling. The latest inflation was the weakest core price advance since October, last October, that is. And last month's reading, if you look at it, was heavily influenced by what's going on in Ukraine. Energy prices drove the headline inflation number. Heating oil, um, uh, natural gas, motor vehicle fuels, that accounted for two-thirds of the month-over-month advance in prices. And those rose roughly like 20% month-on-month. And that obviously makes some conceptual sense about what's going on in the world. Now, that doesn't mean we should pay no attention, again, because we're stripping it out. We should pay some attention, right, obviously, to energy prices, as it's pretty vital to economic success. However, we do know that over time, energy is a commodity. It runs through cycles, tends to be uh, a margin battle at some point um, as supply and demand uh, get back into balance. And then all of a sudden, you have the margin price war that has happened over and over again. Uh, over the last several decades. We also know that the economy is a course-correcting mechanism. Um, you know, Elevated inflation for too long leads to slower growth, leading to slower infra- inflation. And again, for us, long-term investors, we gauge the health, health of our companies relative to inflationary pressures and continue to own inflationary-resistant companies or deflationary-enabling companies. When we sit back and look at our businesses in aggregate, our portfolio is growing sales and profits at multiples higher than inflation and GDP. And that should allow comfort, uh, at least for us, uh, in what we own relative to the environment, relative to their future. Um, And that's how we think about uh, these things. Now, it's never easy. Uh, I think there's a a data point that we highlight in our, our monthly uh, uh, bulletin where we show the sentiment, again, sentiment at those lows and what that ultimately implies for future returns using historical data. And again, we never try to time bottoms. Um, that's just not something we do. If you paid attention to the Warren Buffett uh, annual um, letter slash event this past weekend, then you listen to Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett basically articulate that when they make investments, they don't even fathom or, or, or listen to um, or use the economic current conditions as an input into when to invest. Conceptually, that makes sense. Typically, in, in reality, when the economy is as healthy as ever and things are great, Typically, valuations are elevated. It's actually when it's the opposite. When things aren't as rosy in the world, that's where valuations tend to get more and more attractive. Um, So again, they don't think that way either, but it's just uh, kind of highlighting the obvious of that when things aren't that rosy, i.e. sentiment, um, typically that leads to good things uh, because it's all about who's the incremental seller or who's the incremental buyer. Last area to talk about is we did have three companies report. I think I'll highlight one. 
Uh, we send out those earnings quick takes. So take a look at those if you want more on that or reach out. Uh, but OmniCell showed substantial revenue growth, 27%. Again, the world in theory, last G, or last quarter GD report was negative 1.4. Again, reality, if you take some of the trade out of there, the consumer and some of the other aspects were fairly healthy. Investment spend from businesses was healthy. Um, but OmniCell, again, continues to show how you can maneuver and withstand some of the uh, stuff around us. Again, inflation's been with us for uh, about a year now, if you just look at the, the trajectory of it. And here you have a company growing at 27%, uh, generating cash, and increase their earnings or their profit guidance for 2022. So they're increasing the amount of profit they'll make this year, despite all of the stuff that we're talking about in the world. Why? Because again, the future of medication management needs to be automated. Um, hospital systems are lack finding the skill sets to manage and and uh, um, uh, again just manage their medication tools and medication environments whether it's ivs or the actual medications uh, and they're seeing a lot of demand in robotics and automation for some of this stuff to reduce labor costs to improve outcomes to reduce safety risks inside the health systems. So that's a good kind of perspective on what's happening now versus um, uh, what's happening uh, around us in the world. So that is it. That is the monthly bulletin. Here's the audio version kind of of it. Uh, again, we send it out each month. Um, put it on Inside Scoop this month, and I will continue to do so. I hope everybody has a good month of May. And everyone is healthy out there. And I will speak with you guys soon.